Welcome back to That They Know You. It is a new day, my friends. I'm glad that you're here with me. We're going to learn about our Father together. We're going to embrace Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. We're going to deepen our relationship with God. ready for this because I am I'm so excited everyone welcome back I am amped after that, and I am so excited that you're here with me today. As you heard before, this is That They Know You, and I am your host, Nate Akers, and I am so happy to have you here with me today. Um, if this is your first time, welcome. If you've been with me for a minute, as always, thank you. Um, here, we like to base our teachings in the, uh, the off of John 17, verse 3, which is... And this is eternal life, that they know you. Jesus is talking to God, the one and only, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What he's saying is that is eternal life. That is life, knowing God and getting to know him more every single day. Here's something I just want everyone to understand and rediscover, if you haven't already, is you don't just learn who God is. God is so more so much more deeper and infinite than we could ever imagine that we can only learn more about him and it is a gift to us that he even wants us to learn about him but he does make no mistake of that he certainly does and he loves you and wants you in his life he's already in yours whether you believe it or not and he wants to have that relationship with you and he sent Jesus Christ to live, die, and was resurrected for all of you, for all of us. And it's just my great privilege to get to speak to you about this today. All right, so let's open this up with prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today with open hearts and open minds, and we thank you for the life that you have given to us. We thank you that you have breathed life into our lungs, and that it's through you, the Holy Spirit, that helps us and guides us along. We ask that through the help of the Holy Spirit that you please help us to learn more about who you are and where you stand, and let us meet you there. Let us follow you, Father God. Let us imitate Christ more and more each and every single day through the help of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so last time we talked, um, I kind of was a little on edge a bit, and I'm not sorry, <laughs> But 
um, I felt like it needed to be said. So today, I would like to kind of follow up on that and um, with that message of loving one another and um, looking at the whole spectrum of things, understanding that God's love is for everyone. And us, we as Christians, it is I believe it is our job to love those out there. Love them. Love them into the church. It is not our job, says in Corinthians, not our job to judge those outside of the church. They're lost. We just need to show them the way. So we cannot possibly judge people who are outside of a religious um, boundaries and say, well, well, you're wrong. Well, you're wrong. Okay, first off, coming at someone saying, well, you're wrong, it's not going to do any good. Look up Proverbs, and I can't think of it right now, but it's, in other words, or in some ways it's saying that a a kind word can soften a heart. I, I, I know I'm really bad about doing that, but we have to show love to those people. We have to show them why they want to see what's going on over here on the light side. Over here with our Father, who is good to us. And I encourage us, I want to encourage all of my listeners to just, just love them. Just love people, okay? <laughs> it's, but, but, love them, but do not forget that we have a very important job in, hold on, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find this verse here real quick. Okay, I found it. Keeping the standard within our own church. We are to hold a standard within our church and, and call out sin, call out our brothers and sisters and say, I love you. This is wrong, though. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. So study this word. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, do or say, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3, 16 through 17. So, teaching one another and admonishing one another. So, what does admonishment mean? To, in all wisdom, and trusting the Holy Spirit to guide you through, through your study of the Word and the Bible, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Admonishment means to sternly warn or reprimand. So, therefore, if someone is outside of God's will for the church, if it's your church body, I don't see a reason to voice that in a loving way. You can be stern about it. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand firm, for freedom Christ has set you free. Therefore, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery, to a yoke of sin, that to a yoke of 
trying to do better, trying to be enough. You will never be enough. You will never be better. You will never be so good without the help of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. But stand firm on the principle and on the rock that is Jesus Christ. We can do that with love. We don't have to be yelling and screaming at one another. We can do that with love. Some people might tell me, well, if you have a problem with the way things are being taught, well, why don't you just leave? There's other churches. Yes, that would be the easy way. However, I love my church so much. I have learned so much, and praise God, my wife saw this church and wanted to give it a try. And now, because it's my church isn't necessarily like other churches. I, I like to say it's like a hybrid of, of several different churches. Um, and do I agree with 100% of everything that they say? No. Do I love that church as if, as if it's my family? You better believe I do. That's why I get so fired up when there might be something coming down the pike that I don't necessarily agree with or, you know, one thing or another. That's why I get fired up because I'm passionate about those that I love. I'm passionate about this church body that I love, and I won't leave it. I would rather be a change agent than to abandon it and leave. I know that that might not sound very logical to some, but I would rather, I feel as if I could do more good speaking to friends in the church because maybe they're not thinking about these things. Maybe they don't have a problem with it. And if you don't have a problem with some of the things, okay, fine. Um, and if you don't, you know, and, but I encourage people to stay within their own church, tied to your own church. Believe in that people are good, or that they want to do good, that they have the best intentions. But sometimes the devil gets in the way. I'm sorry to say it, but sometimes that's the, that's the truth. And he does it to me, and I'm sure he's done it to you. He's done it to all of us. And we have to acknowledge that, and we have to say, Devil, be gone. I belong to Christ. Get thee behind me, Satan. So, as I was saying earlier, I was looking up this verse, and it's 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. So, this is what I would say to those who maybe disagree. Okay. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ, when I, which is to love one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another. That's what Jesus told us. When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share its blessing. So what's he saying here, and what am I trying to say more importantly, uh, that, well, I vice reverse that, I'm sorry, um, is when 
I am with someone who might be ultra conservative. I find common ground with those people and say, you know, and try to and try to guide them back to Jesus. I have a particular friend in mind, Red. If you ever listen to this, and I know you'll know who I'm talking about by by that nickname, um, <laughs> you are one of those people that I think of, and ultra conservative. I wouldn't say ultra conservative when I think of him, but you know what I'm trying to say. Very conservative minded person. I too am a conservative, but I tried. You know, I think we should try to moderate ourselves. So find common ground, but lead them to Christ. Okay, far left individual find common ground but lead them to christ christ is number one christ is your center he is in the center drawing all to him i love the fact that in his time he was called too liberal by the conservatives and he was called too conservatives by the liberals that to me tells me he's probably in the right well, there's no probably. He was in the right place 100% because all authority had been given to him on heaven and on earth. So anyway, that is something that I think is terribly important is that we remember that we are to find common ground with all of those around us. Gay, homosexual, find common ground. Ultra-right conservative, find common ground. Um... You could try to find common ground with anyone, far left, and because we're all called by God. It is our job to find these people and to love them, to love them towards God, to tell them that you and I are beggars at the pearly gates when we get there. My friend... I will have a justification as to why I'm there. And I hope that you will too. I heard something this morning that kind of brought a tear to my eye because it made me realize how little I have to offer the Lord. If God looked at me at the pearly gates and said, what, what makes you think that you can come here? What would I tell him? I know I would tell him boldly that you know, I believe in Jesus Christ, but thinking about the magnitude of my Savior and, and my God, like, I'm here because I heard that Jesus Christ died for me and I don't have anything else to give. And I realize that I'm asking for everything and I'm asking for your kingdom when I don't have anything to give you in return. And according to what the Lord has said in his word, that is enough. I will be led in my Father's kingdom. That I bring nothing. We all bring nothing to him. But he loved us so much and is love. Love is not love, okay? God is love. That's a relative way of saying, you know, it, love takes all forms. <laughs> love is in the form of God. It's in the form of his sacrifice for us. That is love. The Bible says that the heart is so deceitful. Who can know it? Guess what? God says, I know the heart of man. I know their hearts. God knows 
all. And he knows enough to, even though we're sinners and we do not deserve it, he loves us so much that he would do that for us. And he would die for us. But it's not just he'll die, he died for us, so now we can go on living. No, that is not that is not the message. That is not a you-only-live-once lifestyle. That is not how it's supposed to go. This message is, what did Jesus do when he went to Calvary? He went up on that cross and died for you. He died every single day to his own manly desires, human fleshly desires, and said, this is for the kingdom. In the garden of Gethsemane, he begged his father, please, if you would let it be, let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, your will. That self-sacrifice is what it means to be a Christian. Is to love others, love God and love others more than your own life. so important that we understand this and I'm so happy that I get to be able to feel bold enough and brave enough to share this message and then send it out to people and I pray for the boldness to share it in person with anyone who might come my way but always remember this when you're sharing this is something that's been on my mind lately when the rich man came to Jesus and said, what do I need to do to be a follower of Christ? And Jesus loved him, smiled, and said, sell all your possessions and come follow me. The man left brokenhearted and walked away. And I've probably said it on this, on this show before, but Jesus didn't go running after him. And I know that sounds bad, but he didn't. He felt awful for the man, but it was a teaching moment. Jesus, we all know what he said after that. It's easier for the camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because they love this life more. He didn't go running after him. So therefore, if you're speaking to people and they've heard the truth and they just say, I don't want to hear that, I'm, I'm, I'm gone, you have done your job. If you feel convicted to keep pressing do so in a respectful and professional way. But know that those people, in some ways, have decided to seal their fate. But trust God. Trust the Holy Spirit. I do not believe we should just leave people off and just let them, let them be. Be the ambassador. Works. Do good things to them and for them. And when they cannot wrap their head around why you're so darn good to them, just just love them even more. And tell them, you know why. You know why. Because God is so good to me, and I want to be good to you. So that hopefully you will realize your need for him, and what he could give you and offer you. All right. I'd like to talk to you guys about the uh, parable of the prodigal son. In my Bible, 
they say the lost son, but that's because it's the New Living Translation, and in my opinion, I need it to be as dumbed down as possible. So, the parable of the lost son. Okay, it says here, this is in Luke 15, verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father, uh, his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please, take me on as a hired servant." So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I like that part. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So this story comes to no one as a shock or surprise. But I want to kind of, kind of go over what, I, what I've been thinking about on this here lately. So... We all have been there. We've all been the prodigal son. Um, and most of us have come back that are listening to this podcast, have come back to, father, to the Father. Um, but here's what I want to focus on. I see the son who took the inheritance and walked away as those of us outside of the faith living their lives. Essentially, God has said, 
put a spirit into this person and said, here is life. Here is a gift that I'm giving to you because life is a gift from God. Here you go. Come find me. And in essence, I believe that the individuals who are walking this life, denying God, have said, nope, thank you, I'm going to take this inheritance and go live my life the way I want. They live their lives. They go on and they do the things that they want to do. They, they go and spend their father's money and the time that he has given them, the allotted time, and they do not return sometimes. And they end their lives in debt and in the the pig pen with the pens with the pigs i'm sorry and they didn't even realize where they were at because they were so used to living in that lifestyle that they were used up in this life the devil worked in their life in such a way and told them look at all this greatness that's all around you this is wonderful and you only live one time you only get this life once, so might as well live it up. Go and have fun. Use your father's wealth that he's giving you and just eat this life up and just squeeze it to the last drop because you're only going to have this one life. And a lot of people do. A lot of us do. One reason a lot of us do is because we have brothers and sisters who are yelling and screaming at those others and not using practical ways of trying to reach them, of trying to find a way to find common ground with them and love on them and to show them how much they mean to God. I'm sorry to say it, but sometimes the devil can use us, can use me, to drag others down and keep them out of hell. So we have to stay on guard. He's out there roaming like a lion in the wilderness, ready to devour his prey. And he could use us. So we need to put on the full armor of God to, and make sure that what we are doing, our actions, are what Jesus' actions would be. To not call sin not sin, call it out, but to love them also. Love them. We are called to, we are able to judge those within the church and say, hey man, that's wrong, and you know why. This is why, right here. I'll show you why that's wrong. But those on the outside, we love them. That's how Jesus got those in, those people to follow him, was he, they, he was so magnetic that they wanted to be around him, and they were changed by his love for them. Okay, so some of us are the other brother who says, wait a second, you're going to let this dude in who killed and hurt people? You're going to let that guy in who has an unhealthy obsession with the same sex? an attraction to the same sex, that girl, you're going to let them in? Yes, I am, because they're dying to themselves. 
is what God says. They're dying. Maybe they've vowed a, uh, a life of celibacy. I, I just listened to a book. A man named Gregory Coles. I have more respect for this man. I couldn't even tell you. He's so on fire for the Lord. Loves him so much that he denies himself every single day. I don't agree with 100% of everything he said. But I got to, my hat's off to him. Because I, I couldn't live life sacrificing like he does. Case in point, I'm married. But Paul says that if you are able to do that, you are actually in some ways better off. Because now your body is kept pure. Romans tells us that we should try to keep our bodies. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and and acceptable to God. As a living sacrifice. What does sacrifice mean? To die. To let go of your own wants, needs, and desires. For the sake of something else. Something greater and higher. A lot of us are those guys. Are the guy that said, this is wrong. This is not right. That's not just. That's not fair. Forgetting that we too were covered and pig poop and come walking back to the father and said I am worth nothing and I would rather just be a slave in your house and I don't even want my inheritance anymore I don't even want to be considered your child all I want is just to live a better life than this and God wraps you in his arms he wraps us in his arms and says you are my you are my daughter. You are my son. And now you will inherit everything that's mine. Come into the family. Come into the fold. That is Jesus' message. To learn more about him and to love him more. And to walk in that life. To follow Jesus. Not simply admire him from afar. Allow him to come into your heart and change some things. Because we all have something that we need that needs to change. But he won't do it if you won't let him. You have to, we have to let it go. We have to let those desires go. We have to let that that envy of the kingdom go of. Those people aren't, aren't like me, so they don't belong in the kingdom. You are not the gatekeeper. We are not the gatekeepers. We are to be telling everyone, shout it on the, on the rooftops if you have to. Walk the life. I, I, can't, I will never get tired of repeating that, that we need to do this. We have to do this. I, I, I think that in James, when he says that faith without works is dead, some people get that mixed up and think, well, you have to do something, otherwise you're not really saved. No, maybe he's saying a real authentic conversion into 
Christianity into following Jesus Christ will make you instinctually get up and go work with the Father through the help of the Holy Spirit. You will do this because of who lives inside of you. Because now you're your daddy's boy. Now you're your daddy's girl. And now you take on traits that he does. Now you act like him. And he acts. He does something. Otherwise, none of us would be here. That's something I would like for all of us, and myself included, to just think on and dwell on, meditate, and just open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. I just really want to encourage all of you to think in these ways and to just trust in Him. All right. I think I'm going to tie this up. We're going to end this with prayer. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for the time that we got to share together today. We ask that you please watch over us and guide us, bless us, and let us serve you and call everyone into your kingdom. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody. I hope that you'll tune in next time, and I'll talk to you all later.